Here comes the money. You're now listening to the Gambling with Gold podcast with Jason Gold. Presented by Champions Round. Welcome to Gambling with Gold. My name is Jason Gold, and as always, I am joined by my buddy from the Action Network, Dan Titus. Dan, hopefully you made a lot of money on the NFL draft. I certainly did. Now it's time to make even more money on the NBA playoffs, which is why you're here to give me all the bets that I'm supposed to place for tonight and heading into the weekend. How you doing, bud? Doing great, dude. It's uh, It was a good NFL draft for the Birds, so I'm very happy. I think there's other couple other good teams that have really good drafts. Shout out to the Jets. I think they made all the right picks, a lot of safe picks, but they got a lot of value and talent. Pretty impressed by what the Giants did, too. Um, and then there's there's plenty of losers here. There's some shockers as well. But ultimately, I think it was a really good draft for all of us. And it was great that we got to do so much draft prep over the course of the last like month or so. It definitely helped my bankroll a lot, um, hedging different positions and, and making sure we we're staying up on the news. So if you guys aren't watching, more the reason to do it. It was a big, big draft night for me. I know I've talked about it since, but Derek Stingley going third to Houston pretty much Woo! made my entire weekend. <laughs> Came on Thibodeau, slipping into the top five was great. A couple other awesome, uh, yeah. What a weekend. I love the NFL draft. I wish they did it three or four times a year. I'd be so happy. But right. I, it is weird. It is weird seeing Eagles fans, Giants fans, and Jets fans all happy. Like, it felt yeah. like the universe was off a little bit. Yeah, my group chat was definitely, like, probably the weirdest it's ever been. Because we're all, like, lauding each other. Like, wait, why Why are we, Why are we like, you know, interested in this? But, uh I think that's, I mean, best case scenario, though, I feel like if you look at the team construct, the Giants are in a completely different position than the than the Eagles are in terms of where they're doing, where they're going. Like, it's going to take the Giants a few years to get their stuff together, and they already didn't commit to Daniel Jones, so we'll see what happens with that. But then again, the Eagles don't really have much of a commitment to Jalen Hurts either, so uh, I don't know. It could be spicy this year in the NFC East, but those teams, let's be honest, those teams aren't going to win. They're not going to compete for a championship, so it doesn't matter anyway. The Eagles have set up themselves – to they can do whatever they want to at this point they have really good players in the building they've drafted really well they have two first rounders next year they have jalen hurts they can go with him or without him basically how he's like okay any direction that we want to go we got assets to do it baby we're ready and at least you're setting them up for success right like you go out and get a really good wide receiver lock him up for the next four years um he's been in a he's in a position to succeed so this is on jalen hurts now but I'm excited for the season, man, and I think uh, we'll talk about it a little bit later or maybe on the next show, but like it's firmly dynasty season and best ball stuff. So um, all these rookies that we we're excited to see where their landing and destinations would be, we actually get to, to bet on it in a different way. And um, I think there's a lot of good value in the destinations that some of these these uh, kids went that we could be pulling them, you know, early values like third rounders, really, really nice value picks uh, that I'm seeing flying off the board and doing some early drafting. So excited for that, too. Yeah, so next podcast will probably be next week because this guy, this guy is heading to Miami, going to party. Finally. Let me get out the crib, man. I got to do something out in these streets, man. (laughs) All right, so he's going to have a little pocket henny walking down uh, (laughs) the street in Miami. He's going to have a great great time. You're not wrong. Uh, You're not wrong. I I, I know you. I know how you roll. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so next next show, next week, we'll do Dynasty Rookie – Mock draft, thoughts on that, thoughts on the NFL draft. So if you want to come back, uh, stay tuned for that, probably next like Monday or Tuesday. But for now, we have 
NBA playoffs, which I have basically got past the NFL draft. Now other sports now exist to me. So now <laughs> it's time to gamble on it. Does so, hockey exist to you? It doesn't hockey exist doesn't, to me yet. It's getting hockey. There. Hockey exists when actually I'll, I'll do a plug for the action network. Here. <laughs> Go on to action network, hit the picks, look at where everybody's picking. And when six sharps are on one side, I don't know shit about hockey at this point. I know the Kings are in it. I'll root for the Kings to win, but right. I don't know who the fuck the players are anymore. Like tonight, for example, Boston minus 105. If you go to Action Network, the picks, it's like 4 nothing Boston. Yeah, guess who's betting on Boston tonight? <laughs> this guy, absolutely. So that that's my strategy when it comes to hockey gambling. I feel that. I feel that, man. And sometimes it's, it's better to, to trust the experts, but uh, I think – we definitely still have enough enough um, expertise in the the things that we focus on, whether it be college football, NFL, fantasy, NBA. Um, oh, I mean, are you getting into the to horse racing too? Like, is that on your is that on your card? I'm sure you got some stuff there. Okay, so I'm doing a podcast on Friday about the <laughs> Kentucky Derby. I love. So I did my 30th birthday at Santa Anita, which is like the big horse track in LA. I love horse racing. I get my little newspaper. I hit it like a <laughs> fucking crazy person. I go all out. I dress. I get, I went in a full suit and a hat. <laughs> I went all in. I love it. I, I, I really want to do. I need do, to see the receipts of this. I, I got to see this. <laughs> I can, it's on my Instagram somewhere, but uh, like I always wanted to do my bachelor party, which got canceled because of COVID. I wanted to do it. You said Miami was where you're going to do yours. That yeah. shit got canceled for COVID. Now you're going to get back. I want right. to do mine in the Kentucky Derby. That's what hey, I really wanted to do. Nice. Because I like it's, that. it's just so degenerate. You get absolutely <laughs> shit-faced, and you just gamble on horses. Who the hell knows anything about horses? If you're like a horse sharp, you got some weird stuff going on in your life. Like, have you ever met a horse sharp who's like happily married with like normal kids? Doesn't exist. <laughs> I just got a bunch of guys that I used to work with um, back in the day when I used to work at Lockheed. I had a bunch of union workers that were always at the track. Like, when they weren't at work, they were spending all their OT money going to the tracks. So those are the only guys that I trusted, and I never got a chance to go with them. But I know that they were raking it in. So um, there's always those horse experts around, but I feel like you just got to be, like, in the mix, like, on the regular. I have one guy every year who lives in Kentucky. My buddy from college put me in touch with him. His thing is not the Kentucky Derby. It's the Friday Kentucky Oaks. It's a specialty. Yeah, so it's like – it's a specialty. He Every year I text him the Thursday or Friday morning. I go, what am I betting? Guys, all right, download a Twin Spires account, bet this, this, and this. You're going to have a great day. And every Friday before the Kentucky Derby, I have a great day. <laughs> That's awesome. Man, it's just, it pays to have these connects, man. Rolling with gold, man. This is why you gamble with gold, man. He, he hooks you up in, in, in a myriad of ways. I'm I'm going to send you a text on Friday morning and tell you to download <laughs> Twin Spires. is like gamble on. Uh, I don't know, Ellen Canto 3.0 or whatever the hell the horse's name is or some shit. Uh, Love it. Anyways, let's get to some NBA stuff, some stuff yeah. that we actually maybe know something about, specifically you. Uh, interesting thus far, the couple games, the Warriors-Grizzlies series, obviously last night, jaw drops 47. Unbelievable. Grizzlies win. That series seems like it's going to go seven games. It that might be one of the best NBA playoff series that I've seen in recent memory. But that right. those guys don't play again until Saturday, which I'll get to in a second. Tonight, Wednesday, May fourth, we have two games. 
Uh, Miami Heat are up one nothing against your 76ers. Sixers are plus eight at Miami. Total is 208. And then later on tonight, 7 p.m., Dallas plus six at Phoenix over under 216. Phoenix leads that series one now. Let's start with your Sixers here. No Joel Embiid tonight. Looks like maybe game three or game four. What are your thoughts on the series in general? When do you think Embiid will come back? And what are your kind of thoughts on the game tonight, given the line of plus eight and over or under 208? Yeah, quick thoughts from game one was that the Sixers did a really good job in the first half of getting out in transition. And then the second half, it was a completely different story. And they gave the Heat the opportunity to really lock down on defense in the half court. And I think both of these teams really struggled to shoot the ball. Um uncharacteristically low for both teams. And I think that there's a huge deficiency on the Sixers without Joel Embiid in the lineup. That's, I mean, it's pretty obvious when you have an MVP candidate, um, likely going to lose to Jokic, but still he was, he was definitely worthy of the award with him off the floor, man. This, the Sixers team doesn't have any flow or rhythm because he's the anchor to that offense and also their defense. And so Bam Adebayo had a great game. Wouldn't be surprised if he had another great game tonight. Um, his props are a little inflated tonight. Um, I, I wouldn't mind his rebounds line at 10. Um, but in general, I don't like the – I can't trust the Sixers. Um, I bet on them in game one. That one hurt. Um, I thought eight points was a lot, even considering that Joel Embiid was out of the lineup. But this Heat team is just better. And without Joel Embiid, I don't think that they can they can go for four quarters, especially when Doc Rivers commits to DeAndre Jordan as their starting center. It's 2022. And even J.J. Redick, um, very vocal on uh, ESPN uh, analyst now, was like, I love J- I love DeAndre. It's my guy. We're close friends. He has no place starting in the playoffs at this stage in his career. He's washed. And so the fact that Doc Rivers continues to not make these certain adjustments that need to be made, running smaller, uh, getting more agile uh, wings out there that can switch and play more competitively than statue DeAndre Jordan, I don't think the Sixers have a chance here. So I think they're going to go down 0-2. I'm not going to lay the points. I, I, I actually would feel comfortable laying the points with the Heat um, just because they're just so much of a better team, even without Kyle Lowry back. But um, from the reports that I'm seeing is that Joel Embiid has a chance to return in games three and four, games three or four, depending on how if he passes concussion protocol. Um, the fact that the Sixers might go down two games, I think he's going to probably make a, make a push to get back by game three on their home floor, get some momentum back on the Sixers' side. Um, and really try to make this a series. Do you think if they win tonight somehow that he says, okay, I'll take off game three and just come back for game four? Or do you think no matter what, he's just going to push for game three? Uh, I think he's going to push for game three. Um, really because like they, this team is just not – I mean, I think that he's a he's a Warriors competitor. He's had this orbital, orbital bone fracture before. He's worn the mask. So he's, it's not anything that's unfamiliar to him. Um, so really, if he passes concussion protocol, I think he's he's out he's out there as soon as he can. Um, if if this goes to Game Four and he's not out there, uh, it's curtains for the Sixers. They they can't afford to have him miss three games and still have a chance to to win this series. All right. So if you were the head coach of the 76ers, set up Doc Rivers, which you actually might be better than Doc Rivers at this point. Talk about <laughs> someone who's absolutely washed. Uh, yeah. What would you do tonight? to have a puncher's chance. I'd start Paul Reed. Uh, I would give Bassey the backup minutes, and then I would consider um, 
yeah, Paul Reed 100% needs to get at least 25 to 30 minutes. And the key is that he's had to stay out of foul trouble. He has the same problem as Jaron Jackson Jr. Like the dude just undisciplined, very easy to get to get fouls on him. Um, and then after that, I think you got to consider going super small and maybe you run Paul Millsap. It's it's not a this is see, this is the problem with the Sixers is their depth. They don't have much of it where you look on the other side of the, the sideline. The Heat have plenty. Um, they have plenty of backup bigs. They're very deep roster. They don't even need Kyle Lowry to beat the Sixers, which is very impressive. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be it's going to be hard for them. But I think they're going to need to get out, push the tempo, get Tyrese Max to the ball, scheme for him to get the ball. Don't be as reliant on James Harden because he's not the same person. He's really just a facilitator right now. Probably the third best scoring option on the Sixers right now with Joel Embiid out of the lineup. So you have to really game scheme and, and game plan around Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey to really have a fighting chance here. All right. So last thing on this game, well, two things. One, I bet the over under, I bet the over 208 in this game. I thought that was a little I like I, I like that because from what I was saying before earlier on is that both of these teams really struggle from the field. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see that regress back to the mean of, of them actually hitting shots. Danny Green was abysmal from three point from three point land. I think George George Niang I think he went like 0 for 7 from 3, and he's like, you know, over a 35, 37% shooter. Um, Tyrese Maxey was 1 for 6 from 3, and he's a 40% shooter from 3-point land. So, yeah, I think that there's they're going to shoot better, and I think we'll see probably the the Miami Heat also pick up their scoring as well because Max Struess, knockdown shooter, he was a, he was also pretty off too. So I think you're, you're definitely in the right direction on the over at 208. All right, uh, that makes me feel better. So the last thing on Philly-Miami is – What's the deal with Harden at this point? Like, he's just been so bad in the past, and I know he has a history of being bad in the past, but he just yeah. doesn't look like himself. He's maybe he's lost half a step. He's not able to get to the yeah. rim. He's not quite getting as many fouls. I'm just interested in your your take on uh, Harden at this point. Yeah, interestingly enough, he still pre- ranks very high in terms of uh, fouls drawn per game in course of the regular season. I think it was like 8.7. The only one that had more than him was Joel Embiid. But uh, you're right. I think he did lose a half a step. I think he might have lost a full step because he can't beat Biggs off the switch anymore. And his his, his three point percentage has actually dropped each of the last five years. Um, so it's very it's very concerning the state of of his game right now. Considering what they need from him, they need someone that can get him twenty points. And the way that he's going about it, he just looks like he's slow and lethargic. And he's going to have to defer a little bit. I'd rather him just be the knockdown shooter. Like maybe he can be a guy that. You know, you run the offense through Maxi. He draws a couple defenders. You kick it out to Harden. He knocks down the three. That's a good place for him to be at. And if he can get to the rim, draw fouls, awesome. But like relying on him to to score at the rim now, like he just doesn't have that lift or that burst like he used to. And the Sixers are going to have a tough decision in the offseason. It's apparently he's come out. Uh, I just actually read a report like five minutes ago that he's willing to take less money to stay with the Sixers. He's going to have to if they want to build out a roster to actually compete deep and to make a deep run in the playoffs. Cause right now this roster is not it. Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe James will get a full off season of maybe not hitting the strip club every night and getting himself in better shape. It's going to be hard, man. He's going to be out with little baby. As soon as they get the, as soon as they get one, two, three Cancun, man, this man's going to be in Paris. <laughs> He's going to be in, in Houston, Miami. Like, let's be serious. This guy just can't deny a stripper, a stripper visit strip club wings at the club. Like this man just lives in the club. So, yeah, I don't know if we can get him motivated to get back in the gym, maybe cut a few LBs and, and get committed again, but I don't know. I think that might that shit might have sailed. Hey, 50 million and some wings every night sounds like a good way to live it's life. A good ass so. life, man. I ain't hating. I'm definitely not hating. All right, let's move on to uh Dallas 
plus six at Phoenix over under 216. The only bet that I have placed on this game thus far, Devin Booker under 26 and a half points to 25 and a half now in the market. Uh, What are your kind of thoughts on Dallas in this series in general and why Phoenix has, they've looked a little lethargic. Like they're not putting it together the way that they were in the regular season. Is that causing any concern for you? Um, no, because I think that the Dallas Mavericks have a, a problem where um, their leading scorer in the first series was Jalen Brunson. Dude played out of his mind. He's playing for a contract, um, going to be a free agent in the offseason. And he really just took took the uh, the reins of the point guard position with Luka out. But right now, I think we, we've seen that the Luka show is for real. Like this dude is a bucket and he can't be guarded. And he's going to continue to have to do this on his own. He's going to have to go for like 45, doing doing some John Morant type stuff to get Dallas to win this game because the Suns are just so disciplined and deep. Now, the Suns certainly have some flaws. Like they don't shoot a lot of three-pointers. So if they happen to get into this three-point battle with the Dallas Mavericks, I think that the Dallas would actually w- would invite that. That'd be a good position for them. Maxi Kleba's been really knocking down threes. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie went a little cold. But he had a shot to get a backdoor cover last game, so um, and missed it. It was wide open. I was pretty pissed about that. Um, but ultimately, I think Dallas, they really need to figure out a way to stop DeAndre Ayton down low. Chris Paul was deferring a lot. He, this was the lowest usage that he's seen in a playoff game in quite some time. It seemed like he deferred that playmaking to, to Devin Booker. Um, so I like that you took the under on his 26.5 points because um, he was really being utilized as a facilitator. And he had like 17 potential assists in game one, which is absurd for a shooting guard, but especially for 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 a Devin Booker. That's usually Chris Paul's move. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if we see Chris Paul be a little bit more proactive scoring the ball versus passing um, and then see Devin Booker really be the, the passer here. Um, but then also Jay Crowder, weirdly enough, had like nine potential potential assists. Um, so the ball was really it looks like Dallas and Jason yeah. Kidd was really trying to keep um Chris Paul at bay getting the ball out of his hands and letting every, other people create which is interesting because Jay Crowder's um assist line I think is at two one and a half maybe it's, let me double check that um it's uh Crowder Crowder he's not even on the list yeah I think it's one and a half or two and a half very small margin but um he was second in potential assists last game so you could probably try to corner these these other guys to do other things but the one prop that I've already placed is De- DeAndre Ayton over 19 and a half points they don't have an answer for him in the paint and the only way that you can keep him out of the paint is getting somebody like Maxi Kleba to stretch the stretch the floor at the 3 you pull him away from the basket but I, I think DeAndre Ayton um is going to eat it up very efficient um in the paint and he's just a beast in the playoffs man and when the playoffs turn when he turns the clock on the playoffs he changes into a different guy and He's really been uh, one of those anchors of that, of that front court. So I think he's going to have another good game in game two. Um, in terms of the spread, though, I don't know that I want to trust the Phoenix Suns at six and a half. Um, as I said, they almost had a chance at a backdoor cover. If, backdoor. I mean, I mean, the Dallas Mavericks played so bad in that first quarter, and they were playing catch up the rest of the way. But if they come out and, and, and actually put the foot on the gas a little bit, get Luka uh, feeling comfortable early on, I wouldn't be surprised if they can cover six and a half points here. Um, so yeah, I like the, the DeAndre in 19, 19 and a half points over. Um, I like the, the, the Devin Booker under 26 and a half points as well. And, um, still kind of debating on this, on this, uh, game total here at two sixteen and a half. So given what you said about how the Dallas, it's either the Dallas Mavericks are forcing Phoenix to play that way offensively, 
right. or Phoenix has decided that this is the best way to attack the Mavericks. I'm not sure which one it is. It doesn't really right. matter for the purposes of gambling. Sure. If if we believe that they're going to continue that strategy here in game two, don't we think that there's I'm not saying do a same game parlay. Don't do that shit. That's how books make money. But <laughs> indivi- individually, it does make sense that a lot of these are now correlated. Devin Booker yeah. under points. Devin Booker over four and a half assists. Chris right. Paul over points. Chris Paul under nine and a half assists. Right. Uh, DeAndre Ayton over 19 and a half points, like you said. Maybe over his PRA, which I think is 30 and a half, something like that. Right. Those are all interconnected. If they're going to play offense like that, let's assume that they have a normal scoring night. Nothing outrageous. Nothing, you know, mm-hmm. beyond the 10% barriers. All of those, in theory, would work if they play that style of offense. My question to you is, how confident are you that in game two that they go back to the exact same style of offense? That's a great question. Um, I'm pretty confident in it because I think it yielded good results in, in terms of like their defensive matchups. Um, you know, they, it seems like Dallas was really keen on trying to put Dorian Finney Smith on, on Devin Booker, who's a very good defender. And also they were playing Reggie Bullock on Chris Paul. And he's, you know, he's not a small guy, six, five, very good defender. I think Draymond Green was actually talking about it um, on one of his podcasts recently was like how Jason Kidd is going to continue to make these defensive adjustments to try to hone in on what's what's, you know, stops this, this son's offense. So if Monty Williams has already realized what their strategy is and it worked in game one, why not continue to play with that Devin Booker as a facilitator role and get everyone else involved and then wait until Chris Paul can kind of get going? Because that's the thing about Chris Paul is like, he doesn't need to force the issue or rush anything. He's so composed that if if he's not having to be the passer, he'll be the he'll be the shot creator. If he's not the shot creator, he'll figure out how to be the passer. So um, he's really the engine that makes this thing run. And with his deferring, I think it's just a system that's going to work against Dallas because most of their defense is going to be Mikel Bridges lock up Luca as best you can because literally. He's a mismatch for anyone. He's six nine, and he can shoot over anybody. And the way that he gets to the rim, he's a crafty playmaker, finding his open guys. You just have to worry about Luca. If you worry about Luca and let everybody else score, like you're you're you have a good a uh, good game plan for uh, winning this game. Winning this game. All right, let's move on to the games for May seventh, which is Saturday. I have yeah. zero clue why the NBA decided to take off Thursday and Friday for. Yeah, give games. these guys some rest. Apparently. At, that seems wild. Like Philly and Miami aren't going to play again until Mother's Day, Sunday. That's crazy. It's what it's Wednesday. That's nuts. Um, I mean, that, I think they definitely did that for the uh, the prospects of that Miami Sixers series. Like, let's give Joel a couple extra days just so yeah. we can possibly maybe extend this out a little bit more. All right, so it doesn't make much sense to me, but whatever. Yeah. Um. Oh, before we get to May seventh, uh. We have on our Twitter page right now, go join our Discord. We just started it. All of my Goldilocks for the next couple of days, I'm going to put exclusively on there, put it nowhere else. Um, also some great Dynasty rookie stuff. So go join our Discord. It mean a lot to us and a great place to get more content from Champions Round. All right, so May 7th, Boston, plus three at Milwaukee. Total sitting at 213 right now. That series is tied 1-1. No Chris Middleton obviously hurt in game two. Boston yeah. played some absolutely offensive awesome defense on Giannis. Uh, but in game one, you know, Giannis had a triple-double, took it over. Boston played like crap offensively. Seems like this is just going to be a series of who's playing the best defense on a particular day. That's going to be the team that wins. And I think that this one's going to be a, you know, drag them out seven-game series. What do you think? 
I my initial read on this was Celtics in six, and with the Bucks stealing game one, that definitely put a wrinkle into it because I think the books and many basketball pundits were writing off the Bucks just because they didn't have Chris Middleton. But it's about the adjustments, and like when a team is battle tested, like the the Bucks who went through injuries late in the season last year, having to overcome Giannis's knee injury and still willing themselves there. Um, there's something to be said about the the Bucks system and how everyone knows their role. And man, I, I I feel like it's gotta go seven games because I think this is gonna be this this chess match of defenses playing better, mismatches. You know, Jalen Brown, I I've been saying on a bunch of podcasts that I think he's the X factor in this series, um, especially with Marcus Smart being out, but like he really needs to get going. Like the Boston Celtics need that second score to Jason Tatum to take the pressure off of him. And he showed out in, in game two, dropped uh who who did he drop on that crossover? Um Grayson Allen. Oof, that, that was vicious. But um, but yeah, and the, the other problem I have is like on the Bucks side of things, without Chris Middleton there, their offense is really going to struggle if they can lock down Giannis. It's like who's going to be the second and third options for for the Bucks because J- Drew Holiday isn't the most consistent in terms of scoring. Great defender and very, very good point guard, but uh his shooting stroke seems to elude him sometimes. Um, so game three, I like the Celtics first quarter. I think that they're gonna take the momentum from from game two. Uh, come out firing. I think that the Bucks are going to have to settle in a little bit. Um, and I think that the what worked for, for the Celtics last game, I think they'll try to deploy again. Marcus Smart should be back in the lineup. Uh, I think all indications that he should be back for game three, especially with a couple of days of rest. Um, and, and I think with that, with that and the increased minutes for Robert Williams, I think that that's going to really get this Boston team churning at the right time and trying to get back uh, a lead in this series, because I think they are the better team right now. If, if you're looking at full strength, um, and since Chris Middleton's out, you know, you can't really account for him as part of that equation for the Bucks. So uh, if the if the Boston Celtics are completely healthy and they're ramped up the minutes for Robert Williams and they have Marcus Smart back in the in the lineup, that that's going to be a tough, uh, tough. It's going to be a tough go initially to start that game for the Bucks. So this all of a sudden turns into a Kobe series where can Giannis beat the other team by himself? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the good thing about Giannis is that which I think I would hope that Joel Embiid would learn from him a little bit is that Giannis trusts his, his team. Like they all know their roles and what they're supposed to do. He puts them in positions to be successful. Whereas Joel Embiid is kind of like, I don't know if I, I'm just going to take this extra dribble and hoist up some shot. Cause I don't trust that this guy's going to make a bucket. Um, but Giannis is really good about that. So I think that that's one thing that he, he didn't embody out of Kobe. Cause Kobe's the same dude. Like Kobe's like, I don't trust you. Like I'm, I'm this is going to be a turnover. If I pass it to you, you're gonna make a bad decision. So I'm just going to shoot. It's better odds. Yeah. If I shoot the ball. Um, I'll be curious if Giannis does take that, that element though, because Giannis, he can't be stopped. I mean, if Giannis really wants to go for 50, like he'll, he'll, he'll do it. So I'm curious to see if he, if he kind of takes up his aggression in game three as well. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see that early on. It, it depends. It's like the LeBron versus Kobe thing they talked about it all the time. It's like, yeah, LeBron always waits for the game to come to him, and if he needs to put his foot down, he does it later in the game. Right. Kobe used to come out is like, fuck this shit. I'm gonna I punch you right in the mouth. It. Exactly. Yeah. So I'd be interested to see which way Giannis kind of takes it there. Yeah. Um, and then we get to just my favorite series. I, I don't Stop know. I don't know if I'm gonna watch a lot of these games. Like Philly, Miami. I'll probably tune in for a little bit tonight, but it's kind of yeah. like a trash game. But. <laughs> I can't get enough of this Memphis Golden State series. It is so interesting. Young versus old, experience versus young. Jaws like coming into his own is like one of the you know the ten best players in the NBA. Meanwhile, you got these old heads who are you know t- like Jaws said last night. 
top 75 all time guys, and Dre and Steph and Clay and Jordan Poole's awesome. That series is just so interesting. It's so cool. Uh, mm-hmm. So, game three in San Francisco, Memphis plus six and a half at the Warriors. Total is 226 and a half. And obviously, that series is tied. So, what's kind of your take on how you think that series will end up playing out? The Grizzlies definitely made it interesting in game two. Um, Got to shout out the the injury to Gary Payton the second. I mean, we haven't heard word of what the suspension is going to be for Dylan Brooks, but you got to imagine he's going to be getting at least a game. I would be surprised if he didn't get two. That's going to be a huge blow for the, the Grizzlies defense because Dylan Brooks is a very good on the ball defender. And um, but also the loss on the on the Warriors side that like Gary Payton's really established himself as a key role player for this Warriors team. I think he matches up really well in this Grizzlies series because um, there is a they're a team that is very athletic, um, plays small at times. And uh, that's really what the Warriors are like. They don't have a true center. When, you know, Kevin Kevon Looney's not really getting minutes right now. It's really Draymond Green that's the starting center. So um, and even Otto Porter's played some five there, too. So. Um, I think Gary Payton was actually a very good um, player for them. So they're going to have to figure out what they're going to do there. But I can't not back the Warriors in game three um, coming back to, to chase center with, you know, heavy, heavy hearts, so to speak, you know, pissed off, mad, like Draymond got his eye bloodied. He was pissed off after the game, after getting ejected in the first game. Um, Clay Thompson didn't play that well in game two. So I think this is the this is going to be the moment where the Warriors get back to being the Dubs. Jordan Poole back has definitely come come back to into his game and found his rhythm again in the series. Uh, I think this is going to be a huge game for the Warriors. I wouldn't be surprised honestly if they blew them out um, in Game Three. So I'm going to be all over the Warriors uh, spread. Don't know about the total. I'll probably play a Clay Thompson over threes because I think he's going to have a good game. Um, he usually doesn't have two bad games in a row. But I think this team's just going to be way too motivated to take an L here in Game Three. But shouts to John Morant, unbelievable. I think he's the sec- he's the third person in NBA history to drop multiple forty point well, games. I, I just talked about the other. Old. I just talked about the other two. It's LeBron and Kobe. Crazy, crazy. So yeah, Josh special. Desmond Bain, he's been laboring. He's got like a back issue, and I think it's shown. He's been really struggling against the against the Warriors in the first two games, um, after a monstrous uh, first first round series. Um, so yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a struggle for these Grizzlies team, but I think they're going to be feisty, but I still have the Warriors winning this, this series in six. I don't think this one goes seven, uh, merely because they're going to miss those two games without Dylan Brooks is really going to matter. I'm kind of with you. I trust the experience at this point. I don't think the Warriors have reached the age where they're too old to compete against these young guys. Right. Memphis is going to have to learn this lesson the hard way. I would assume most teams that are on the up and up do they'll lose a really tough series in six or seven. It always makes them better, right? Exactly. So this kind of feels like that series. Um, You know, if the the Warriors have suffer, they're basically one injury from one of their key guys away from everything blowing up. So you never know. It's true. Um, They, the Warriors, it's so weird. I feel like the Warriors are perfectly ready to win another championship, but their inability to turn James Wiseman into a legitimate piece and prevent his injuries is really going to end up costing them a championship. Man, I mean, out of all their draft picks, I mean, they really hit they really hit it with J- Jonathan Kaminga. That dude's going to be really good. And uh, even Moody. Moses, Moses yeah, Moody exactly. is, is decent too. But that that just weighing over their head of of how Wiseman can't get healthy, man. Like there's just some that's the risk you take with taking big men 
Um, it's just that some of them just have these knee injuries, these foot injuries that they can't overcome. I mean, I had to deal with it for the trust the process years of the Sixers, man. We didn't see Ben Simmons out there for a year. Took Joel and beat it like a few years to get his body right to actually play. So who knows when we'll actually ever see James Wiseman. But I wouldn't be surprised if they try to – I mean, I don't even know what his trade value is right now. I guess you're just playing on the upside. But I think you could probably ship him off to a team like the Oklahoma City Thunder who really are playing for 2029 anyway. So they can afford to take in a guy like that and work on him and develop him a little bit. But, yeah, it just sucks for, for James Wiseman. I really want to see what this Warriors team could have been with a true big in there because right now I think that that's their weakness is if they're going up against, like, say that they get past – uh, the, the Grizzlies here and they face potentially the Suns in the Western Conference Finals. Aiton's going to have a day like against yeah. them. Um, so it's going to be an interesting series. And then, I mean, the, even the Suns like backups. I mean, JaVale McGee, like, that would be a great person to be back on the Warriors. <laughs> on the Warriors. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah that's where um, it's going to hurt them, their front court. And even if they make the finals, like I guess against Boston, in theory, they're okay in terms of size. But if they go up against Milwaukee, they're dead. Miami, they're dead. Philly, they're obviously dead. Like if Bam, Joel, and Giannis, like Giannis against the Warriors is going to average 42, 23, and seven. <laughs> Bro, it's not even going to be fair, man. Like, I, I if, man, the, the stats that Giannis would put up against them is, man, I would love to see that actually. That'd be yeah. great for his resume, man. That would, <laughs> that would put him, that would etch him into the, that like rare territory of like, you know, the LeBrons. Like, how many people have beaten the Warriors? like a, a squad like that, like that, that would certainly be special. But that's the thing, man, with these teams that are left here, I really don't have a read. Like I have a, a an, an eight to one ticket on the, uh, the Phoenix Suns I, that I bought super early that still have live. So like, I'm kind of rooting for them a little bit, but at the same time, I could see the, the Celtics certainly having a chance. The Warriors, absolutely. I mean, they're the odds on favorite right now, but I mean, Boston could surprise the heat could maybe if, if, if Lowry comes back, I could see them making a run just because they're such a deep team. This is great playoff basketball. So, like, this is the best time. If you're, if you're not a fan of basketball, now's the time to watch it. Like, these are the these are the best of the best. Outside of the Sixers and the Heat series, we'll give a mulligan on that because Embiid's not playing. But all the rest of the other series, really good to watch. When do you start out of that Suns Because they're, obviously they're going to be favored in every series, so you got a good shot at it. But against the Mavericks, you probably don't have to worry too much. But, no. like, if they play the Warriors next – I'm sweating next round. I'm gonna sweat a little, I'm gonna sweat a little bit because then there's also you're not, that thing. You're not gonna hedge it a little bit. They're, this, uh, if the Warriors, we'll see what like, the numbers are because I think that the the only team that the Warriors want to be favored against would probably be the Suns. I bet the Warriors are plus one seventy five in that series. So like then you got an eight to one and a plus one seventy five. I feel yeah, like it's you worth just, the hedge. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. That's worth the hedge. Okay, I just, I'm glad we talked that out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, so we'll be back. Next week, talk NFL draft and uh, dynasty drafts, all that good stuff. Until then, Dan, have fun in Miami. Don't do anything I wouldn't do, which basically means you can do anything you want to. <laughs> uh, uh, we would be back. Oh, we have 276 contests on the app right now. UFC 274, which is Saturday, and the Kentucky Derby, which we talked about earlier. That's also Saturday. Go enter those right now. Limited spots available, I think, on the UFC one, but go ahead and check that. And then in two weeks, I'll preview this a little bit uh, next week, but we have a new game mode and a new daily show called Daily Dozen that is going to be coming out probably sometime around Memorial Day. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be really exciting. We'll be on here every day at 9 a.m. to discuss the best props across the market 
and what we have on the Champions Round app. So until then, good luck with all your bets. Dan, have fun in Miami, and we will talk to you soon. Peace.